What's up, guys? Our wrestling podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Justin Total Package, Craig the British Bulldog, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Can someone feed me today's special topic? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not leaving! I'm not going! No, Vince, you're gone. You have to go. This is bullshit. I, 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 lo- I love, I love how you like make him cry, but I think honestly, he probably tore apart three offices on his way out. Like, ah, I just smashed yeah. everything. <laughs> fist, fist through a ton of drywall. Like, Stephanie, yeah. you're my daughter. How you could you do this? Love yeah. you, Daddy. I need you, need you out of the office. So, I, you know, a this has been the biggest story. Smile. This might be the biggest story in wrestling history. Like, yep. at least in modern history, like, because he's, you know, I wanted to wait a week before we did it. I know you guys did an uncensored last week, which was smashing. And uh, everybody should go back in the archives and, and listen to it. But, uh, you know, House I, I wanted fire, to do a legacy. <laughs> Put it out. Put it out. So we're going to do like a, somewhat of a legacy on him. But you can't do a proper legacy or we'd be here for probably 10 hours. Because yes. when you really you think of like, buddy. I, I, there's three different types of fans out there is the way I figure it. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the people that uh, just wanted him to fail in general. And any big CEO and any company, we're, we're in a sensitive time in our uh, nation's history right now where sometimes people just really overreact. And if anybody makes any accusations about anybody before anybody's convicted of anything or even taken a trial or arrested or anything, they're guilty and doesn't matter. Rich people are evil and all this stuff. And so you have that uh, faction of people that automatically hate Vince because of these accusations that have come forward. Or or I don't even know about, well, accusations, they are accusations. Um, Then you have the other set of fans that hate WWE because they have not been able to connect with the product for the last five to 10 years. So they want Vince to fail and be humbled because your product sucks and it hasn't been what I think it should be for the past 10 years. So therefore, I hate you and I'm glad you're gone. Then you have a third faction that hate him because um, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Then you have the third faction that love him uh, and no matter what he's done, they just remember I was 10 years old or 9 years old or 8 years old and your product won my heart over. So that's like the three groups of people uh, that I think that we're dealing with here with the whole Vince McMahon scenario. You have people that are celebrating that he's gone, like Ding Dong, the witch is dead. Then you have people that are like, how can you celebrate? He's a god in wrestling. And, and I think everybody's right to a certain extent. We've already talked about it before. I don't want to get political or divisive on this episode. But I think that the truth always lies in the middle. And I think you could take all three of those opinions, all three of those fan bases, and stir them up in a pot. And then we could at least share. You know, he didn't murder someone, thank goodness. Uh, you know, and, and the accusations that are coming out, they're just accusations right now. But at the same time, he's been deemed that he did something wrong and misappropriated funds by the board. And that's why he had to step down. So... I'm hoping that no uh, um, 
SA allegations come out of it. I have to be careful what I say on YouTube because they'll fucking block you. Um, so, I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm hoping none of that stuff comes forward. It just seems like it was mutual affairs that he had and he paid him hush money uh, because they just he doesn't want people to, to, to know that he did that stuff. So I'm I haven't heard anything yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I haven't heard any kind of criminal activity when it comes to the SA side of it. I've just heard the allegations of it's misappropriating company of funds, funds. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is yeah. against the law and, and you should not be able yeah. to do it. And I think that Vince should answer to the fullest extent of the law. Justice should be served. He's not above the law or anybody else. And to, and to his that, damn shareholders, be yeah. real about that too. Like that was, yeah, he need, you need to answer company money, you're, bro. Yeah, you're and taking again, your the, and yeah. that's that's not what this episode is about. Um, Th that, but, sorry, that was my long-winded way of trying to say that there's a lot of different feelings around. But I think that, but maybe before some of those allegations come out, who knows what's going to come out next week, right? I think that we should talk about. Uh, why we're wrestling fans. And I think the guy behind us in every pitcher, no, not Andre, uh, is the, he's the, we have that in common on all three of our pitchers. Uh, he's the reason why that we watch professional, that we're 45 years old and we still watch professional wrestling, if you could believe that. I don't know if that's sad. I don't know what that is. But no. it's because of the guy behind us that we still, that we do this podcast and that we talk about it fondly and we remember all these awesome. We wrestled in a goddamn ring in my backyard. We built a 19 by 19 wrestling ring in my backyard and wrestled for like three years. Like, yeah. so, you know, we did all this because of him. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, exactly. And I think. We're not just so the audience out there listening. We are not one of those three types either. When we understand, yeah. there, there is a like mix I said, of, I think we're right we're, in the middle. I think we're waiting to see what happens, and I think that we're just genuine well, people that love this product. And honestly, I think it did happen. <laughs> I think we're waiting to see how sure. bad what he did happen. But I think we a are not ready to discount the art from the artist yet. I think we a always are accountable to Vince and what kind of he has done as a businessman and as a sociopath and as, as a dude that has built, he's a billionaire and billionaires necessarily can't be golden angels. And then see, well, but we, in order to have the drive that he has, he has to have a personality type that we can't identify with. Correct. And then the third you know. part is there is a mutual respect of what he has done and sacrificed in his life. And that we're, we're going to talk about a bit in this episode where he came from and why he has an opinion that there is no reason why you can't succeed and can't give your all. And to this day, he has no friends. He has no hobbies outside of wrestling. Well, yes, unless do. he's trying to build what? a business of football. What? <laughs> he simply is a guy that is nonstop workaholic and given his all and started from the beginning and built an empire and is a control freak and for 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 better or for worse it was his and it was his mark and his decisions and everything he said he put on him and a forward-looking guy that that reinvented the industry that made it a global empire that became a billionaire and that reinvented the industry twice and then what jess said earlier the entire reason, ultimately, no matter who we gobbled up or whatever, is the reason we're sitting here today and the emotions we feel when we watch wrestling, why we like wrestling, why it's still around, and why it's the global thing that it is today. And it's all due. He's the most powerful man, the most influential man, the greatest heel, and oh. the most creative genius in wrestling history. And yeah, all this stuff that had to happen, it was kind of like a weird 
like almost like mob mentality. It was like his dad telling people, my son is going to buy my territory. He's crazy. Gorilla, Andre, uh, um, Arnold Skoland, take, Pat Patterson. Just make sure, make sure no one him. kills him. Protect my son. Uh, like, you know, yeah. he didn't die right there. But I, like, from his like, first, like on his deathbed. He sent his, <laughs> son, his son to Maine. For, like, the worst performing territory to say, if you the fail there, don't ever ask me for any favor again. Go to yeah. Maine and see if you can save this farthest northeast territory that has absolutely just destroyed any – turn it around. And it started it. from there. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who was actually uh, Vinnie Lipton, was born on August 24th, 1945. Um, you know, 10 years earlier, it's my dad's birthday, just saying. Uh-huh. Um, in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Uh, McMahon grew up, what they say is dirt poor in a trailer park in North Carolina. No money. And his parents split before he was a year old. He never even met, or met, met. <laughs> Goo Goo Gaga, where are you going? Goo Goo Gaga. He never even Gaga, met where? his real father, Vince Sr., until he was 12 years old. And he grew up with his mom and a revolving door of violent stepdads. Until he finally had enough, and he left home at 14 years old. And more than likely, he probably didn't have an educate a, a technical education. He's smart as hell, but he didn't have an education beyond that. More than likely, apparently uh, suffered from dyslexia, uh, got into trouble, mm-hmm. rode with some gangs. Um, he said in Sounds various better. various interviews through Playboy and through other stuff, like um, the abuse that he suffered with stepdads and how. Um, that toughened him up and military school kind of saved him. And then it was not until he met his Vince senior again. I think it was 12 or 14. I think it was 12. Uh, again, 12 connected from 69 to 79 where they have that relationship. That's when his life stabilized. um, And yeah, and, and, and McMahon senior was doing CWC capital wrestling corporation at the time. At that point, McMahon became interested in following his father's professional wrestling footsteps and often accompanied him on trips to Madison square garden McMahon wanted to be a wrestler, but his father did not allow him to do that, explaining that promoters did not appear on the show, and he would he should stay apart from their wrestlers there. Well, thank God he listened to that, Jess, right? Yeah, thank God he never wrestled in the ring. Well, yeah, he would never um, would have ran anything. He would have just been Vince Stonehands McMahon or whatever his heel name would have been. <laughs> Stonehands. Um, yeah. In 1968, Vince, McMahon Vince graduated Ulees, from- like behind Dave with a chain. Vince Ulees. <laughs> that's right. He Ooh, does that's look like Hercules. <laughs> That's good. That's I love it. Uh, McMahon graduated from East Carolina University in '68, um, so he he did finish his education. I was way off. I didn't know that. Um, uh, with a business degree, and after a nondescript career as a traveling salesman, he was eager to assume a managerial role with his father's Worldwide Wrestling Federation promotion, the WWWF. That's a mouthful. Um, and '69, uh, McMahon made his debut in an in-ring announcer, which obviously we all know he was very good at that. Um, he's good at announcing, good oh at broadcasting. My. Oh, my. Welcome uh, to All-American Worldwide Wrestling Wide Wrestling Wilder. Didn't know any wrestling maneuvers, but knew how to say maneuver, as we all know. Yeah. Um, and, then what Bruce Pitcher says, and then from there. Like he always says, and then from there. <laughs> and then from he there. picked him up, and uh, then from there. Standing before a capacity crowd here in Madison Square Garden, a controversial worldwide wrestling federation champion, Mr. Graham. Twenty-some odd thousand people are here to see 27, you. Twenty-seven thousand, Vinny Junior. Twenty-seven thousand people, to be exact, and twenty-seven thousand people on the sidewalk that could not get in to see this match. 
Bruno San Martino cannot get the belt back from superstar Billy Graham. I am the champion. I am the greatest. I am the strongest. 1971, he was assigned to a small territory in Maine where he promoted his first card. He, re- he later became the play-by-play commentator for television matches after replacing Ray Morgan in 1971. A role he regularly Welcome to the World Wild Wrestling Federation from Maine. Craig, you were talking about that when he when he took over the territory in Maine. That was like if you if you can't turn this around, don't ever ask me for anything. And that was Vince Senior's ask of him. Yeah, I really put him put rung him through and said, "I'm giving you something. I'm giving you a favor. If you can't make good on this favor, don't ever ask me for anything else." Yeah, and you can see um, this the, the the stories of Tough Dad. Um, Tough dad, but fair dad. When he's like, "Don't ask me for anything else, kid," and then asking everyone else, "I love how, I love how take care of like it wasn't. It, I love how it's tough dad, but it wasn't tough enough. I didn't meet you till I was yeah. twelve. So that's and, cool." And but. then, like his Vince McMahon talks in interviews of loving Doctor uh, Jerry Graham and Jimmy Graham, whatever it is that wrestler um, who his dad did not approve of because um, Doctor Graham was like a guy that always did the. Um, the handiwork of Vince Senior and, and threatened wrestlers and stuff, and larger than life and lit cigars with hundred dollar bills. And so McMahon Oof. McMahon says in various interviews he was not happy with me driving around, but I loved him as a heel. I loved him as a person. I loved him larger than life, and he was also a super mean drunk. So that was his his favorite kind of wrestler growing up through this, like riding oh, around. Oh, and then from there, I love drunks. And then from there, I love. And drunks. then from there, he slapped me. In the 70s, McMahon became a prominent force in his father's company and over the last decade assisted his father in tripling TV syndication. Ah, right there. Tripled like, syndication. Dad, um, fucking, let me talk to the station. Just Dad, and then from there, I tripled it. <laughs> Wait, uh, I can't go into re- another state because you were you only own New York and Maine? Dad, come on, let me. Dad, come on! Let's Dad. own the world. I um, want to take over the world. Dad, and that's what he said. And that's what he said because he pushed for the renaming of the company to the World Wrestling Federation (WWF). The younger McMahon was also behind the Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki match of '76. That should have bankrupted him for the yeah. beginning. So, for right. just hey, for all those hey, who you, don't you know, gotta, you just got to sell the tickets. You don't care about the result, right? Yeah, for all those who don't know, talk about the Muhammad uh, Ali. Inoki Muhammad match Ali uh, was is a ma- was a major wrestling fan. He did a lot. The antics that you saw Muhammad Ali when he would just like float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, when he would talk shit to his opponents and you know, to just run him down on the press conference. He did it because he was yeah. a major pro wrestling fan, Muhammad Ali was. He loved heels. He loved promos. He loved the way that, like, they can cut people down. So Muhammad Ali patterned his showmanship after pro wrestling. So the famous Antonio Inoki and Muhammad Ali match, is one of the wor- it was a boxer versus wrestler match. One of the worst things you can ever see. It was long. It was boring. It was awful. And both guys were wary, even though both knew it was a show. They both were afraid the other was <laughs> take liberties on the other and so nobody they didn't work anything out beforehand it was just the most boring uh ollie jabbing at air anoki kind of trying to take him down or whatever anoki literally stayed on his back and kicked him in the legs for like six rounds eight rounds whatever it was like back on the canvas hitting the heck out of his shins for six eight rounds whatever it was it was Hey, with, with all due respect, you know, Rocky tried to make it work with uh, Thunderlips. He really – is that, is that too hard? <laughs> is that too hard? 
Yeah, no, dude. You he go tried home. to make it work. No. He's like, we're, just, we're just here for the kids, right? We're here for the kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it's all <laughs> right. What do you say? Hey, try talking to him. He's like, I chase you, you chase me. Uh. He's like, you're in trouble, pal. He's like, how are we going to make this work? He's like, what? <laughs> break you in half like that, that's okay that's not too hard in the, in the, in the ads there. um yeah it's so funny um in, in 1979 the younger mcmahon and his wife linda founded their own company titan sports which was incorporated in the following year and in 1982 acquired control of the cwc which was pretty much going to be the wwf from his alien father who had actually died in may of 1984 so from there <laughs> Take care of him. Ah. Andre, <laughs> Andre, Andre, come here. My son's crazy. Would you Arnold's be serious? Going. You're not going to die. Jim, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not serious. Uh, oh, Vince, 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 um, would you stop? I'm the only, I'm the first person on the payroll, the last person on the payroll. Thank you, Vince. So let's get into it from 80 Vince McMahon presents WWF from Coliseum Home Video. The birth of Russell. I'm taking it again. my blue tinted glasses. Boom. Um. February 21st, 1980, McMahon officially founded Titan Sports and the company's headquarters that were established in South Yarmouth, Massachusetts. There you go. That's what Uh, I was. He began began expanding the company's... I love love that I repeat actual stuff that's in the notes five minutes earlier so it makes them seem like I'm smarter than you reading them anyway. So that's not what was my intention. I apologize. I already. Uh, that's when, literally when, when, my you know, my a, my game. There, every time we do an episode, that, that's there's a saying called seven times seven ways, and you're good to go. People What's need that? to hear it more than once. So, um, that's and that's actually a good thing. Don't don't kill yourselves. One of Thanks, guys. buddy. You're fine. Yeah, it's all good. And he would get those stomping grounds by assigning talent from other companies, such as the American Wrestling Association. You know that AWA. In 1984, he recruited Hulk Hogan. Before we before we get to uh, Christmas, uh, the question is whether or not you'll be hanging on to this uh, from a legitimate standpoint. Whether or not you'll be hanging on to this after April 7, when in a steel cage, uh, you meet uh, without a doubt uh, the most awesome athlete I think uh, you have ever faced in your life, and and one King Kong Bundy. Well, you know, Vicious Vince, I had a little setback, man. And all these Hulkamaniacs checked it out on Saturday night's main event, Awful Alfred. And, you know, they saw how King Kong Bundy with a henchman Morocco guided by Bobby Heenan trying to steal the world title, man. Interesting story. I'm going to stop you, Dave. Interesting story. AWA's territory, and I shared this in the group in a text group like the last couple of weeks when we've been going over research for this. They AWA had a huge swath of territory. When you look at the actual territory. No, that's NWA- why I'm telling you, too, like it's – it's so easy to dismiss them because the modern wrestling fan now just views WCW as the only past competitor for Vince. No, but when AWA he was coming was out of shit, man. Uh, uh, Bill Watts UWF was hot for a long time. Georgia Championship Wrestling, uh, like Mid Atlantic, um, AWA was kind of its own thing. They were part of the yeah. NWA umbrella. But Vern was actually really massive coming out of Minnesota, and yeah. like Craig said, he had a lot of territories. He was able to travel less population because he had all the desert. But Minnesota, all the way west, the across the Rockies was all AWA into Nevada. AWA had a big California um, influence too. They they came over to California. And so a lot of people don't know that. And AWA was a big fucking deal. Like for a lot, in the, in the late seventies, early eighties, especially they were a big deal. And then Vince started just chipping away at them. Vince is, it's super smart here. I know we're going to kind of get into it. So what Vince basically did, he decimated the AWA roster. He took Hogan, Heenan, Andre, Stud, like I, I mean, I can yeah, keep going. Yeah, but who else? He took Jesse Ventura. <laughs> he took Adrian Adonis. Like he took 
He took everybody from That's them. Like, everybody. He stripped Vern down, like, so bad. Like, yeah. it was... And yeah. Vern just struggled at that point, like, after that. That's just one territory that he decimated. Not even right. talk about Junkyard Dog, Harley Race. Like, yeah. he put... I mean... Bill Watts ended up going out of business. Crockett bought him. Crockett said, oh, shit, we didn't afford that. Everyone's like, well, why did you buy him then? I don't know. We're filing bankruptcy, and we're going to sell the Turner. And it all just happened, and Vince was laughing. Like, he was just like, I told you all. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to outdraw you. I'm just going to outbuy you. He went in. He guaranteed, hey, do you guys want merchandise percentage? Yeah. Fern doesn't give us that. Well, I'll give you X amount of percentage of all your T-shirt sales. Are you, are you fucking you see, what? You see, yeah, and I'll give you that, and I'll give you a, like a, I'll give you a base salary, you know, guaranteed set of dates or whatever, and blah blah blah. And so a lot of people, you know, give Bischoff the credit for guaranteed contracts. Bischoff's the first one to be like, look, we might have put it on paper, but we were far from the first people to give guarantees. When Vince was pulling these big talent over, you don't think he guaranteed Hogan something? You don't think he just pulled Hogan over, going, "I'm not going to give you anything different than Vern did, pal. Come on over." And Hogan's like, "I'll be there at four. Like, no, Hogan's like, "What are you going to do for me?" And he's like, "Well." I'm going to give you this percentage of your merchandise. I'm going to give you yeah. this percentage of the gate. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you the championship. You're going to be my crown jewel. Hogan's like, okay. And then he told everybody else that too. Well, why do you want me to come over? Well, Ventura, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do that. Okay, Vince, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Bobby Heenan. Plus, thing, Bobby he, Heenan. He, he overbid yeah, and Bobby bought Heenan. TV slots. He bought all these yeah, rival yes. local because the territory business is all about just selling the card in the talk, local talk area. Talk about that, Craig, because you know, Craig's background is kind of like advertisement, television, and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to blow smoke, buddy, but uh, but um, like it, that's a big part of what Vince did. So he saw past the territories. He saw not just the talent that they had. He saw what what – TV space do you have? How big does your, your channel yeah. reach? How big can I buy it? Like, And then he also did stuff, Craig, too. I know you'll touch on it as well. He started buying syndicated spots. So he would basically buy the same spots that info commercials like Shamwell would buy. But he would put WWF television on it. Like, So what we grew up with was Superstars of Wrestling. Yeah. That was a syndicated program that he bought time on networks on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning or whatever. He bought an hour to show you basically, here's the World Wrestling Federation. Come to the live shows and give us money. And that's where they made most of their money was live shows on merchandise and the gates and all that stuff. So talk a little bit about the TV stuff, Craig, because you know a lot about that actually. Yeah, so anyone under 35 that watches now YouTube and doesn't have to watch a commercial and goes on your streaming thing, back in the day, we had local stations. So even if it was an NBC, you had an NBC affiliate. So in Los Angeles, it's called KNBC. In New York, it's called something. Uh, and here, it's called WBIR, where I live in Tennessee. It's an NBC affiliate, but they're all local stations, and it's all situated in what they call your DMA, your uh, your market area. And there's hundreds of market areas. The biggest ones are Los Angeles, based on population. New York, Chicago goes down from there. So all these territories bought time on these local stations and they promoted their cards, and that's how they made their money. It was the entire source of living was selling your hour of wrestling on Sunday afternoon on your WKPR. To, to get people to go down to the fairgrounds. Kansas City, Missouri. And, yeah. Little did they yeah. know, yep. Vince McMahon saw cable television is coming. A national presence is coming. Uh, Ted Turner's WTBS. Uh, Chicago's um, – oh, my God. Come on. What's the Chicago? Oh. oh my God! Yeah, it's on tip my tongue too. All oh, the Cubs games cried. This is everyone's. Everyone is screaming at me on online. Um, Vince was kind of at the losing end of the cable stuff at first too, because TBS, like Georgia Championship Wrestling, always had and NWA right. always had a massive cable presence. Vince actually 
before he got the in, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, before he got the in on cable, he went different. Like right. when we you saw start Vince, small, it was, it was our, I'm yeah, just going to take another small. network and put a national yeah. show with junkyard dog with yeah. Hogan against you on your local channel, another channel gobbling you up. So yeah, you come with me or you're over. I film one episode. Yeah. I was, I was able to catch, I was able to catch WWF stuff before I had cable. Right. On, well, on, yeah, and it was on a, on a channel a eleven. Out here. It's, it was it's, uh, it's now, all local exactly. syndicated. It's, it's Fox TV. eleven out here in California and SoCal, but it was that we watched the syndicated on Saturday morning. It was channel eleven Fox? Uh, yeah. is where yeah. I watched. Which, is, which honestly is bigger than any cable syndicate at that time. I mean, I'll, I'll right. pay more for your all... station. I'm, I'm talking, and I'll still do the mm-hmm. cut-ins when I can uh, from the um, from Sean Mooney's event center, so I can still pitch my local events. I'm and, Sean Mooney. You're screwed. My production is so much better than you in a smoky, uh, in a smoky gym. So sell to me or die, and that's what he did. And that's basically how he just kind of outproduced and outhustled all these people. Took their best stars, competed in time slots, and how else are you going to compete against that? Yeah, you guys want to? Uh, I mean, that, that's really how it all be. I don't want to say began, but that's how. That's how the kingdom was built. That's that's right? yeah. That's how uh, wanna, he went against his wanna, dad. You want to talk? Territory. You want to roll into the attitude era and those kind of things, or what do you want to do? Yeah, let's. Uh, I think let's talk about kind of the first WrestleMania, his first biggest kind of gamble into a national kind of close well, circuit. Mean, like 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 no joke. The you know Vince put everything he had into the first WrestleMania, Madison Square Garden. He literally mortgaged against his house to yeah. make that venue happen to put it all together. Yeah, he bet everything on WrestleMania. Yeah, and it worked. And um, I, I don't know if any of you guys have watched the first WrestleMania. Compared to WrestleManias of now, that's a shit show. It's not so I good. Mean, not so not so great. Jess, first match of WrestleMania one. Jess, who was it? First match WrestleMania was Tito Santana against the Executioner, baby. Yeah. boy. Get them out their asses, Tito. So uh, you guys are talking about that now. So the risk, I'm sure you already talked about the risk, and he mortgaged his house, and I think he mortgaged Linda yes. herself, and he was going to sell her. Um, Whoa. <laughs> I got to walk away from uh, that one. Hold on. I don't mean to dwell so much on the early times, but the Monday Night War era was important. But what we're talking about right now was literally the genesis and the, the planning of the seeds for what the WWE He had to do this. He had to take all the territories out to be able to control all the talent. I know people are like, well, that's shitty because he put other people out of work. I know. But like in every industry, someone will come along and do that, and then other people will start to get smart and then start to compete. And that's what ended up happening to Vince. Him doing everything at WrestleMania, appealing to the young kids, going to MTV, doing everything that he did, getting Mr. T a celebrity, getting Cindy Lauper, uh, getting Liberace, getting Muhammad Ali, everything that he did for WrestleMania 1. You go back and watch that event now, WrestleMania 1's trash. That's Come what on. Dave just said. It, yeah, it's not, it wasn't it's boring good. As fu- it's boring as fuck. It wasn't good. There was, not, it, there was no good matches on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, it and there was no paper. It was closed-circuit TV. It's revered and remembered as something that got celebrities to watch. They got celebrities to talk about it. The celebrities' kids wanted to talk about it. So, therefore, the media, the news outlets talked about it, and they treated it with respect. Mr. T was a television star. Oh, shit. We got to go watch that. Ali was arguably, and and still is, the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. Liberace? had to go. Liberace, the greatest Liberace of all time. And so... uh, (laughs) 
So they, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was amazing that it worked. When we go back and look at the quality, it was just like any other house show you would ever see at Madison Square Garden. But yeah. they dressed it up. And then you had colorful people like Hogan, Piper, Orndorff. You cannot discount their contributions to it. Hogan yeah. was the centerpiece. It's, Hogan was the hero that he was shopping around to every at, market. At the end of the day, it's ultimate capitalism. It's consolidate and grow or die. And all these territories thought they were fine in their own little fiefdom and area. And he went really quick and taught yeah. you if you're not going to grow Until and somebody expand. somebody says, I don't believe in the territory system and I think it's stupid and I think I'm just going to take you all down. It's yeah. Like, huh? the, the rock and roll wrestling area was, was off and running from there with him. And then they go to, uh, you know, two was uh, ambitious and it was from three different locations. It wasn't very well received. Uh, but that's okay because he had, he had a Hogan. And so he was selling out everywhere. He was doing record business. He was shutting territories down. 87 comes along. Uh, you take Andre, who was like the biggest attraction for his dad. You turn him heel, and you say, and you pass the torch to Hogan. Ninety-three thousand people. We take for granted now Dome WrestleManias. This was the first ever Dome WrestleMania, but they did it off two guys that they had. There could have Orndorff and Hogan might have drawn a lot of people, but the interest that Hogan and Andre drew. And with Andre, with Andre, a shell of what he was, Andre was on the back nine for sure because, like, um, he died shortly after the next day, uh, according to Hogan. Uh, yeah. But he just, he had, he had back, he was like this figure who, Hogan had beaten everybody. And, you know, Vince had knocked all the doors down. He'd beaten all the big monsters. Who's left for him? Turn Andre heel. Give him Andre. Slams Andre in the middle. That slam was played on every local and national sports clip show around the fucking United States for weeks after Hogan did it with 93,000 people there. They didn't have to pay. They didn't have to tarp off any seats or anything that that over camera view of that fucking arena was played everywhere. Pro wrestling, this fake you know thing that they do was garnering that attention. And then the media was like, Oh really? Hogan was a national name. Talk show host had Hogan on. They had Piper on, they had Orndorff on, they had Macho Man on, they had Andre on. They started to believe sure. in wrestling. People like big sports figures would act like children. Like when Hogan would walk in the door, Oh my God, you're Hulk Hogan. This is an athlete that played basketball or football. Saturday and Night Live. Yes, yeah, they all Hogan just worshipped these wrestlers. They became larger-than-life stars, and that was from Vince's vision when he bought the company from his dad. And we're only in 1987, and he's already absolutely changed the game in the United States for pro wrestling. He's absolutely—WrestleMania 7, that might as well—to me, that's WrestleMania 1 in my mind. Because I know the gamble and the risk and everything behind the scenes happened with the real WrestleMania 1 in 1985. But to me, WrestleMania 1 was, was WrestleMania 3 in the Dome. Because that's when the world got to see, oh shit, like these guys aren't fucking around. That's as much people as NASCAR garner. That's more people than watch a football game. That's, you know, like it's crazy. And that image stayed with the WWF for years. Yeah. They were playing Andre's being slammed by Hogan in that yeah. big arena for years. Like, and then the first true national, national kind of like think of Saturday Night's main event 
So that's you're not talking that's another one. You're not God. talking the cable. You're talking national TV. National you're talking an NFL contract. You're talking the off week of Saturday Night Live in New York. Saturday Night Live would run for three weeks and take a week off. Saturday Night um, Saturday Night's main event would be a WWF completely across the board every night on every network. We're not syndication national television. Um, we we know you're tuning to SNL, but you know they're off this week, so you get made of it. And they did, yeah, they did massive ratings for like that late market, the eleven at night market or whatever time it was. Yeah. It was late. Uh, they did. Ma- then they started the main event, which was a live Friday primetime special, which they did yeah. in '88, which obviously was driven by Hogan and Andre. Uh, the lo- the most watched wrestling program in the history ever, ever, ever. It will never be beaten. Like. like 15 million homes or something which translated to like over 30 million viewers to watch Hogan and Andre 2 in February 1988. He was on fire. That's his ticket. It wasn't just knocking the doors down to the territories. It was he wasn't kidding. I'm taking it national. It's going to be as revered as a sitcom that you watch every week. It's going to be as revered as any other program. You Donahue or whatever. You're going to watch wrestling that religiously. In other words, he wanted the brand WWF to be like skill saw. When someone says, hey, do you have a skill saw? They mean, do you have a circular saw? But skill, the brand skill saw, is so popular that people ask for skill saw. There's yeah. others. Band-Aid. Band-Aid is a brand. But people say, hey, do you have a Band-Aid? Band-Aid is a, is a company brand. It's not a bandage is what you put on a wound. But Band-Aid is the company. But everybody asked for a Band-Aid. Vince wanted the WWF. When someone said, do you watch wrestling? He didn't want them to say that. He, do you watch WWF? Yeah. And that's what he wanted. He wanted people to see, oh, you watch wrestling? Like WWF, right? Like yeah. Hulk Hogan, right? And he succeeded with the stuff that we're saying now, with the WrestleMania success. Mm-hmm. The If you own the world and you've got rock and wrestling, and maybe he saw a dip in the business, and that's when you started to see the Ico Pro kind of banners behind you, which was a supplement industry. Yeah. Um, and that's when yeah. you saw the WBF. He was a big workout guy, but huge mistake, maybe his first failure. Um I think that, that kept we know him motivated, of- though. I think that Vince, I, I, I kind of like that. You know, I, you, I, I think you kind of like to see like uh, pioneers like him fail a little bit because I think it drives them. Yeah, I think if he succeeds at everything well, off the top, it's just the way, and, the way he says it. And here's another thing failing. Too, thousand percent. Like that Jess. failure drives him. Each and every week, Body Stars brings you the very best in health and fitness. And after taking a July four weekend off, we're back at a brand new time here on USA. Every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Hello, I'm Vince McMahon. And I'm Cameo. And I can't think of a better way to get pumped each and every Saturday morning. And there's no doubt that Gary Stridham was pumped. When he once again won the WBF championship, we will show you his award-winning performance. But you know what also drove him? The steroid trial, which was right in this just yeah. two years later. He beat 
He beat it. He beat the government. Like, yeah, um, we think you might have put Royds in Hogan's locker on a weekly basis, but we can't prove it. So you're off. And having independent contractors was so important. We think that everyone on your roster and yourself are chewing them like candy, but mm, we we can't prove it. And. And he beat he so beat the entire system. He beat the federal and so, government, and, and we but we how talk about, about that, that for a motivator. By the way, no, I I do agree with that, but I think ultimately that was almost a smokescreen in the sense of like he beat yeah. the federal government, but the damage that it was doing to his product was yeah. put him into the first ever wrestling depression. You know, from like 1993 to like 96, 97. Uh, wrestling went into a, a depression in America because he was the guy. That's the only negative thing about having was, one was, guy in the territories. That, but I, I'm with you. Well, it started to decline in like 91, 92 is when it got old. You know, it was when the rock and wrestling area died, like any any fad does. You know, for the most part, or or type of entertainment does. But you got to think if there was no steroid trial and no accusations, they wouldn't mm-hmm. have dipped as far. And, uh, you know, I think wrestling in, in America would have been a lot different looking, you know, because God knows WCW wasn't doing anything. To Just talk to for 60 physical. seconds what the sterile trial was. And basically, uh, people started coming out. The accusations was is that he was forcing his athletes to take steroids because you got to look good. So if you don't want to take steroids, you can't work here. Roughly. I mean, I'm not that's not the legal terms that they used to charge sure, him with. Sure. But they could not fucking prove it. They couldn't do it. And there was there I guess there was never ever a case when people that have done documentaries on the steroid trial, uh, Vice did one of them, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring covered it. It's it's laughable. Like the government had no fucking plan. They had no. They just thought wrestling was dumb. It's going to be easy to take this fake wrestling guy down. And when they realized Vince had brains and he lawyered the fuck up, and, and Hogan's testimony was key, and there was a lot of things that played into it. They were like, "Yeah, we have no evidence that he made his superstars." And like Craig said, they're independent contractors, so they weren't under one corporation umbrella. They weren't employees. They were independent contractors that worked for Vince. So all of that worked in his favor, which is why he doesn't want to unionize. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, you know what I mean. Like it's just yeah. kind of. But to, uh, and know, to, to Jess's point, a huge distraction for him for two plus years instead of being every so wrestling in, the in North America he was, was changing and uh, and it, you know nobody wanted the dragons anymore the uh, snakes the the JYDs and the you know that was all eighties gimmicks it was the 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 superhero the yellow and red say your prayers take your vitamins was hokey and and getting silly in the early to mid nineties. So he fell into, you know, we always talk about it. I think the dark period, man, for wrestling was like 93, 94, 95, 96. And there was bright spots. I'm not saying there wasn't, but he was struggling to find his voice. Wrestling went into a depression. It wasn't mainstream anymore. It wasn't like uh, the the massive, you know, uh, sports center stopped covering it. People started talking about it again as a joke. And so I think that really bothered yeah. Vince. And then you had this company called WCW, which Ted Turner refused to let it die. I don't want to get into that. Too long, but Ted Turner bought the Crockett promotion, which was the biggest chunk of the NWA territories back in 1988. So, because he loved pro wrestling, because pro wrestling helped him launch his superstation, so he always had like a soft spot in his heart for professional wrestling. So, he bought WCW um, or Crockett's share of the promotions. So he started, and it was awful. WCW was awful and when he bought it. They just, nobody knew how to run it. They went through several different creative directors, several different producers, several different this. They couldn't figure it out. A guy named Eric Bischoff got hired as a C-level announcer in like 1991. 
in WCW yeah. and then slowly started to talk about production values. And everybody else that had come before Eric Bischoff wanted to copy Vince's character formula. Well, we can make characters like Oz and like uh, the Rap Master PNUs and like this and like that. And we could do all this stuff, too. And it was obviously they were just they were viciously trying to copy Vince. It looked like a second rate copy. It failed every time until Bischoff came in and said, what if we copy his production value? What if we copy like, you know, I want to put wrestling back on a soundstage. I want to I want to do what Vince does. I want to copy his lighting. I want to copy his production. I want to copy his camera angles. Yeah. I want to do a lot of different things that Vince did to make his product light. Then he's like, well, everybody before me failed in making their own stars. So I'm going to go buy those people. So Bischoff bought Hogan or, you know, signed Hogan, signed Macho Man, signed Hacksaw Duggan, signed the big boss man, he, signed all these people. He did every, he did everything Vince did copy production value. And, and it didn't, it didn't light the world on fire yet. yet. It didn't light the world on fire yet until, uh, uh, B uh, Bischoff was pulled into a meeting with Ted Turner and Ted Turner's like, I like what you're doing. You're the first guy to ever turn a profit in this company, basically, because in 95 was the first year that anybody ever turned a profit for WCW. So they saw it in mid-95. He's like, what do we need to finish out 95 strong? What do we need to keep profiting going on? And Bischoff, on, on Bischoff to this day just said he threw it out there. He never thought he would say yes. He's like, give me a live Monday Night Wrestling show up against Raw. And, uh, yeah, and, we, and, and Turner was like, yes. And so to go back, Vince is the one that started live primetime wrestling monday night raw launched in january of 1993 which changed he didn't need to do syndicated tv anymore he took he finally got his spot in cable with the usa network and he launched monday night raw a one hour if you could believe that program back in 1993 that launched and he shared it he still uh developed angles on superstars of wrestling but then after a while vince is like we don't need superstars we don't need wrestling challenge we have raw and then bischoff copied that and then now all you see in 1995, you see Raw and Nitro going at it. Everyone's like, "It's no, don't go against Vince. You're going to split the audience. He got respectable ratings, right? Raw was getting like a 1.9, 2.0 in the ratings every week. That's a massive cable rating, by the way. For a Monday night, for a live wrestling oh, yeah. show, massive cable rating. Then Bischoff comes along and says, yeah, we're going to, you know, like we just said, Turner's like, yeah, you could have a slot on uh, TNT. You could do Nitro. Okay, great. Everyone's like, you're going to split the audience. Each show's only going to get one million apiece. It's really going to be a moot point. Why do it or whatever? Bischoff didn't split the audience. He brought all WCW fans to that. So both shows were trading back and forth. Each one was getting like 1.9 versus 2.1. Or in another week, 2.3 to 1.9, 2.0. Then they started. And then we, we go in now to the Monday Night War era, which is... I would say arguably probably bigger than the rock and wrestling in the sense, because there's two promotions going at it. Bischoff copying what Vince did on the production side of it. Vin Bischoff's like, that's fine. I'm going to read his results on the air. I'm going to do all this stuff. Vince now on all the documentaries, those are, those were dirty tricks. I'm like, really? Like yeah. any dirtier than what you did like a decade yeah. earlier. I don't think so, Vince. And so no, he had get, to, he had to get educated. I'll, right? I'll ask right. you and tell you what he would tell you what he did was dirty too. Go ahead, Greg. Pause right. right there. Dirty tricks. Talking about um, exclusive contracts in all arenas that WWF, um, WWF, WWE ran. NWO, WCW could not run in. Cities. Right. Putting um, Starcade up against uh, Survivor Series up against Starcade. Oh my when, God. There's so much. All, when, so dirty. everything. So let's, yeah. He was a dirty, ruthless. Um, 
ruthless promoter. Uh, and and what I was saying when you stepped away, Craig, was the funny thing was is everybody before that was just trying to copy Vince makes characters that appealed to kids. So let's copy that template. Bischoff was the one that's like, I want to copy his production. I want to copy his tactics. I want to copy him stabbing people in the back. I want to copy all that stuff. So Vince, like Craig said, did all of that stuff. Shut the territories down. Put uh, Survivor Series up against Starcade. Did all that stuff to try to undercut WCW. Any chance he got. Um, because he hated Ted Turner because we never talked about Black Saturday where he bought the t- when he was buying all the territories up and kicking doors down the Briscoe brothers sold their share of Georgia Championship Wrestling to Vince McMahon what came along with their shares did you uh do you ask a time slot in the mid south yeah. a time slot on yeah. TBS which was legendary for having the southern type of wrestling. That's a different type of fan than what Vince was pitching Hogan to and Andre People to and Savage to and Piper to. When he took that spot, he Where's bought my Black South Saturday. South wrestling. Yep, Black Saturday was the first time where Vince McMahon walked on and said, "Hello, everyone. I'm Vince McMahon." He was just a quote unquote announcer. <laughs> Fuck you, redneck. You, so redneck fox. Like I so, think, I, think, People... I, think that, I think that was the first episode, Craig. That's- Hello, everybody, and welcome to World Championship Wrestling. On behalf of WTBS, it's a pleasure to welcome the World Wrestling Federation. Exciting new matches, great competitors from all over the world. And here's the man to tell you all about it. Here's Vince McMahon. Vince? Thank you very much, Freddie. Welcome aboard. Thank you. It is indeed a pleasure to be associated with WTBS, and we promise to bring you the greatest in professional wrestling entertainment in the world today. We will have this week, as a matter of fact, exclusive footage on a matchup involving the Iron Sheik, who hails from Tehran, Iran. Also on hand, Adrian Adonis and his tag team partner, Dick Murdoch, the reigning World Wrestling Federation tag team champions, will be with us. And then from there, a man who claims to have the most impressive physique in all of professional wrestling, Jesse the Body Ventura. And so what happened was, afterwards, Ted Turner was super pissed that not only did the ratings decline in that, because people hated WWF and Vince so much in the South, that Ted Turner started selling the Sunday time slot and the time slot before Vince's time slot on Saturday to other people like Ole Anderson and people like that to try to take back uh, that that weekend, the weekend Southern wrestling belt. And so Vince's hmm. ratings got so low, he finally sold that territory. But it all started. He finally sold his TV spot, I should say. And the reason why he did that yeah. was because they kind of choked him out. It showed that the Southern wrestling belt they, was they, strong. They weren't, re- they weren't ready, bro. They, they weren't ready, ready yet. They weren't ready yet. But that's how he came up with the affiliation with Gerald Briscoe and, you know, the Stooges, Pat Patterson and Briscoe. They were with Vince for all those years for reasons. Like, Patterson was there because he was smart. Vince never forgot, by the way, when you were loyal to him and you laid down your life. So yeah. when the Briscoe brothers sold their And conversely, every relationship with Vince is based on... Um, whether it was Arnold Scrollin with somebody else or giving into Gorilla with another area, Briscoe with an area or something else that he's always taking from someone to befriend for a, for, for further kind of thing. My long winded point was that the, the, the fight with Turner started in the mid eighties because when Turner said, Hey, I'm going to start giving time slots on Sunday. And before Vince's time slot, the old Georgia time slot, to squeeze this guy out. Vince never forgot that. I'll get you, Ted Turner. And so when Ted Turner bought Crockett Promotions, Vince always tried, even though WCW did not hold a candle to them in the early 90s. Vince was number one with a bullet. It didn't matter. You're running Starcade on this day? Oh, that's cool. We're going to run the Royal I'm gonna, Rumble. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to crush yeah. you. 
Oh, you're running a pay-per-view in January? Oh, I just created in my head. What am I creating right now? Free on the USA Network. The first ever Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. Patterson, what is a Royal Rumble? Figure it out. Like, and then so he, Patterson, created the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's, it's, it's exactly how shit happened. And so Bischoff comes along in the mid-90s and says, I'm going to just do what you did. Starts reading the results to the taped Raws. I'll never forget tuning in live on a Nitro. If you're thinking about switching to the other channel, the USA Wrestling brand, don't do it. Shawn Michaels beats the guy with a super kick. Oh, my God. That super kick couldn't even get him a black belt at the YMCA. Uh, also, the Bulldog beat a Razor Ramon by disqualification. Yawn. Like, cool. And I was like, what do you mean yawn? My mouth, my mouth dropped to the floor when I first heard that. I was like, oh, my God. Like, he is calling. It was different than what Crockett did with Jim Ross. Going, you want to get You want guys even, even even the, pose? Even, you're not going to get that. Wait, even the, like even the small things that no one knew, like beating yeah. them to break to get back quicker. To and, get the people to yes. Over. Oh, good and, point. And Dave. to Jess's point, um, uh, WWF, WWE would tape three weeks worth in one one night. And then so WCW was live every live night. Every, so and to Turner save, put the to bill save costs, purpose. WWF yeah. would tape a month of tapings in one night. Yeah. Yes, it wasn't live and raw as we thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, now yeah. it's live every time. It's so funny. There's no competition now, but yet he's like, "Oh, never. We've, we're never taping ever." We've, <laughs> like, we've beaten this down into the wars, and I don't know how much further you want to go. But there's so no, no. Much. I, and I, I know we're running along a time, but like, and that's where we can kind of speed it up because once this happened, Vince learned really fast that all these guys. He got Hall Bischoff. He got Nash. He got Hogan. NWO starts. And they started beating Vince down to death. Vince. Just stays fast. He's like, listen, there was at one point where Bruce Pitchard said he came to him and said, I think we need to shrink back to the territories like where my dad used to run. And we we should just be like, we're still going to have the USA time slot, but we should only run house shows in New York, New Jersey, Chicago, like all that up there. The, the uh, you know, kind of like the East Coast like uh, area up there. Uh, Vince did to, to Bruce. They were getting beaten so bad in 1997 in the ratings. They're, they weren't selling shit out. They weren't doing anything at the end of 96, early 97, that he went to Bruce Pritchard. This is coming said, from Bruce, right? From Yeah, and, and Vince said to him, I think we should go back to being territory again. I think that we should go back to what my dad, let's just stay up in like the the uh, northeastern part of the United States, the New York, Chicago, all that stuff. Let's just run up there because WCW is beating the pants off him. And, I mean, WCW was selling out arenas and doing all this stuff. They were having, like, 18,000 people for a Monday Nitro where you go over to Raw and they're, they have, like, fucking 8,000 people and they're barely trying to fill the place. And it's, like, it's just – it got really bad. Like, it got really, really bad. And so they were considering that. Well, then Vince just threw his hands up and he said, that's fine. He, he's got all my old stars that I put all these millions of dollars into. Ramon, Diesel, Hogan, Savage. That's fine. He's like, let's just focus on what we're doing. They start getting these guys, these stragglers in, like, Steve Austin, the ringmaster, and Mankind, and all the stuff. They start getting all these people in. It's just He hired Jim Ross and promoted Jim Ross up to uh, talent relations director. And Jim Ross started going out and getting athletes. And But also, Jim Ross knew a lot of people from WCW. And he's like, you know, you should, you need to hire Mick. Ah, he'll never work for me. He's a fucking weirdo. He's like, he's not really that weird. In real life, he's actually a family man. He's a good guy. All right, I'll talk to him. Then they bring him over. Then they bring uh, you know all these people. Then the Road Dog and Billy Gunn. They start to oh shit. Then Shawn Michaels gets in the and, uh, like, gotta, Rocky Maivia just appears out of nowhere. Don't forget. Yeah, Rocky. That. Uh, yeah. Jim Ross recruits Rocky Maivia and like all that stuff. And Jim Ross from day one was like, he's going to be your future. He'll main event WrestleMania one day. That was Jim's quote when they first hired him. 
And uh, then they started giving Triple H a chance. Shawn Michaels started getting a lot louder in the back. The whole falling out with Brett happened. The Montreal Screwjob happened. Then all of a sudden, everything started yeah. clicking because Vince started just ignoring the competition and started just doing whatever. Austin became red fucking hot. Then Vince stumbled upon, people hate me. They really hate me. What if I get on screen and everybody totally, else in the back? Like, totally understandable. Like Patterson and all them. Patterson were like, what if you get on? And you tell everyone that you're telling them that Austin can't wrestle after getting dropped on his head at Owen Hart at SummerSlam 97. What if you tell oh. them no? And then Vince is like, okay. So Vince is out there and he's like, I cannot in good conscience allow. And then Austin coming back, stunning Vince in that Madison Square Garden show, turned everything around, made WWF feel edgy. There was new fresh faces on there. NWO was still killing it on the other side. Yeah. And then Vince started just building and building and building. You know as well as I do that this is what I do for a living. This is all that I do. And can't nobody tell I, I ain't the best in the damn world. Don't even say nothing. Don't say nothing. Sit here and tell me to work within the system. You ain't the one sitting on your ass in the house like I am. But if, it's that, if that's what it takes, to make you or the World Wrestling Federation happy, hell, I feel like Cool Hand Luke. I'll work within your stupid little system. That's all these people ask. I appreciate the fact that you and the World Wrestling Federation care. And I also appreciate the fact that hell, you can kiss my ass. But I think a pause at this point and the understanding and the bullet point and the tentpole here is Vince became from promoter and from genius and from visionary to on-screen character from, I think, arguably, and Jess and Cuz were talking about this, from 1993, he started when he introduced his guys with a partnership with the USWA and after the Montreal screw job when he got spit on and then it was off to the races. So an on-screen performer where Vince shined and ultimately was just as powerful as Stone Cold and just as powerful yeah. as the on-screen characters as Rock, as man. He's arguably the greatest wrestling heel of all time, Mr. McMahon. Yes. Oh, yeah. So uh, just another facet of this man, which you never knew when he was just kind of a BS announcer that went, um, was kind of like, oh, Samus! And then he what then, and then backstage yeah. controlling all the egos and then running Hogan and then launching. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, He's just as jacked, just as brilliant, just as great on mic, and and the yeah. ultimately the boss you want to spit on, the boss you hate going in every day. Parlay that for years and years into a second rock and roll era, which is called the Attitude Era. And people paid people paid millions upon millions of dollars because somebody punched their boss in the face yes and he and he finally said I, if anyone's gonna do it i'm gonna do it myself it's some strange wacky way and he was forced to do it and then that parlays into and speeding ahead what, a little uh, bit what does bruce say all the time vince will never ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself when remember when sean came down from the top of the anaheim pond on the yeah he did it first uh, vince yep. did it the day before 
Like, yeah, he, he remember he when, when Gronk was supposed to take that fall? He took that fall first from that balcony yeah. piece. Yeah, um, you mean Gronk? It was like, it was that Gronk. Huh? Yeah, yeah. When Gronk was going to yeah, jump and, off, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I don't know. And Vince is like, I'll do it. Yeah, and he, I'll he, jump he off. You fuck. Bump. So then he segues and like, that, and he's fine. got Linda and Stephanie in the mix, and Shane in the mix, and so then for the next and and. I'm, I'm, we're convoluting errors a little bit here, but it's a it's a way where he steps in front. Well, it's an, and it's, an just as, that, it's an error that he dominated. He's just as way, powerful so in the in the back as he is in the front, and it propels them yeah. for the next decade or so, right? Well, and then they Decades. and guess what? You know, just like the territories, WCW falls in 2001, yep. and he buys the rights to World Championship Wrestling, and then for two and a half, we're not even going to talk. Yeah, for it, just uh, the smallest amount of money. You see, it was just a matter of time before I, Vince McMahon, bought my competition. That's right. I own WCW. So therefore, in its final broadcast tonight on TNT, I have the opportunity to address you, the WCW fans. I have an opportunity to address you, the WCW superstars. Uh, uh, you know, it's amazing. There, there was there was no TV rights with to his it, so son on the other side way. in a shitty turtleneck sweater via satellite from Flair. Yeah, oh, I bought WCW. The name of the contract does like, say McMahon, <gasps> but it says Whoa. Shane McMahon. Just kidding. It said Vince that's, the whole time. Oh, that's yeah. right, Dad. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and then you can talk w about the that. the fumbling of the invasion angle, which wasn't the best. But now the thing is, is for the second time, no, I, he has, I, I don't want to get too much. That, that's not his fault. I'm not, I'm well, not you know, you're right. But for the second time, he shut he shut the competition down. For the second time, he stood yeah. on top of the mountain, and that was for real. Really, sure. ever since 2001. You know, TNA had a little flare up here. TNA never came close to nipping on the underside of the balls of the WWF. No, they AEW never tried. They knew AEW better. gets blown great, up, but they have they have great wrestling. They're a great product, but they did, they the did. Same. But I mean, AEW, but niche, niche, it's, Dave. It's as you said, it's not before. the machine. It's not the it's machine. It's not the machine exactly. And he built the machine. The ruthless regression era was great because uh, he had all the fallouts from WCW talent and the WWF talent. And then we get into you know AEW now. It it it's only looks big because it's social media, but really AEW doesn't even come close to the to the outreach, the national, the international outreach that world wrestling entertainment has he's vince has pushed us like you know god i you know i don't mean to rush past it because i think the last decade or even 15 years even 20 years has been his most productive years he made the company public in the I, early you know, 2000s talk about the uh, wwe network know. the way he went from there you go. okay cable to much. bruce pritchard said it in the late 80s he was like you know one day we're gonna have a wrestling channel and everybody thought it was going to be a cable channel. Maybe and Bruce was, was like, what are you talking about? No one's going to watch yeah. wrestling 24 hours a day. For 24 hours. We and then always came- thought when, when the streaming, when the WWE Network came out, it's like, why wouldn't he do a channel? We were still stuck in a cable channel, cable channel, cable channel. Yeah. The balls in saying and, and, no. And by the way, he, he didn't know what it was when he thought of it. Correct. Like he adapted. He, Correct. And he found, and he found, the, he found the, the way in and he got in. He had smart people he telling printed. him, don't waste the money on a channel. Do a device it's streaming. Where you it, control it's all streaming. of your product. Yeah. You don't have to pay. You don't have to pay for ad time. You don't have to do. Or they'll pay yeah. you like for that. Yeah. Pay you and, and then he time. sells to Peacock for over a billion dollars. And now they shut their That's own insane. network down. And put, 
It's insanity. Like, and I don't mean to yada yada past all that because like a lot of people are sort of bored. A lot of people think they know Vince just from the on-screen character that <laughs> you he have is, no he's done idea so what's much. happened well, in the past. Like, you have six no years. idea I... what a genius he is. Like, what a you have no what a visionary he's been. You have no fucking idea. Does not excuse I... anything illegal that may come out. Uh, you know, or he might get convicted with, or not. Like, who knows? But you, uh, can, you, you can, you can still be a corporate visionary and still be a bad, bad person. I, you know, and I don't mean to. Ru- I know I rushed just past the Monday Night Wars and all that stuff, but I feel like a lot of us not look really. back You're fondly. I, yeah, but I, I think a lot of because I think after that it was autopilot for him. Like Dave said, it was the machine. Uh, after he bought WCW, it was all machine. They were a public company. They turned to World Wrestling Entertainment shortly in 2002. They, you know, everything just—it's all him. It was all his vision. Even when he had to, well, like, you go, you go to the, you go to the PG area in 08. You're like, okay, let's play it safe. I don't, Jess. I don't think yeah. any of it's autopilot for him. I think it's autopilot for us because of um, oh, meaning and yeah, content. I think that man is still focused on what's next. What's next? Right. So do I break into India? Do I break into Saudi Arabia, which comes with some controversy? Don't care. By the way, I, I, I don't care about that controversy. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to make a ton of money. Do we – um, A lot of money. Yeah. Do I, do I forgive all my relationships with NBC, Comcast, Universal, and USA and say screw it and sell half my thing to Fox? Like he diversifies – a uh, yeah. billion dollars to Fox for SmackDown and, and Raw. Like he's still always thinking. Wow. He's still like, "What's next?" And but 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 you know you know the difference, Craig is he didn't. To your point, he didn't take a break. He didn't go on autopilot. He. This is gonna sound really bad when I say it. And if Vince ever saw me in person, he'd probably punch me in the mouth for saying it. He took. He, he went on autopilot and. Cr- he went on autopilot for creative. He didn't go on autopilot for production. Yes. And that's an excellent to, point. To, to our perspective. That is an excellent point. To, to our, our perspective, perspective, he went on he autopilot on creative. Yeah. Maybe this is where we segue into you know what he meant to us in that sense. I think we've talked about it on other podcasts. Uh, he's kind of like a weird, like, he's our wrestling dad in a weird way. And I know that sounds funny to say. But like I didn't know it was his product until he started coming public, like in ninety six, ninety seven. Then he started. Oh all, no! It all you depends know. on your. It all depends on your definition of dad. If you if you refer to Vince's definition of dad, he's better. Yeah. If you refer to somebody's definition of dad, he's bad, because he spent at this point over fourteen million dollars of company money on hushing well, I mean, up ladies. That yeah, he had I'm talking about like what with. what roped us into wrestling. Like he's our wrestling dad. No, I get in that. The sense like, of, like for me, for me, the, because the of where dad, we grew up, right? Okay. Like, People who grew up in the South and the East Coast probably have a way different take on pro wrestling because they were really like Raleigh exposed to the Crockett promotions and the NWA territories and that because that was more prominent over there. In California, when we were nine and ten years old in like 87, 88, we it was so easy for us to tune into Fox because I didn't have cable. Yeah. So I tuned into the syndication. Yeah, you had, Superstars you had, you had eight channels, Jess. You know, yeah, right, right. And uh, I, we had uh, Superstars of Wrestling. They had Wrestling Challenge on you Sundays. You watched what they wanted it. you to watch. My yeah. grandpa used to. My grandpa had cable, and he used to tape primetime wrestling for me. So I'd watch that, which is just like a mesh of you know everything. Yeah. So like I, I only had Vince's product to watch, and I never grew up on the Crockett or NWA or Mid South because I wasn't in the position to get it until I got my massive satellite dish. 
I, but I still loved Vince at that point. I didn't know I loved Vince at the time because we didn't know he was the owner unless you knew the business really well, which you really couldn't when you were nine and ten years old in like you know late eighties, early nineties. We didn't really know until Vince came, you know, started talking about himself as the owner. Um, you got little hints in '92 with the steroid trial because obviously he was put on trial as the owner, uh, but we, st- I still didn't even pick up on it. Like at that, I mean, I knew he was the owner, but I never viewed. And him he as won, like that and he, 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 dude, he walked to he walked to court with a shitty neck brace, like any yeah, other he like, surgery. He purposely planned his neck surgery right before that to get sympathy. It's such a ridiculous like, yeah. fucking like ambulance chaser. Like I, neck I, gr- brace I grew up thing. on him, right? Like I always gave Hogan the credit, but it was really him. It was really Vince, and I didn't know it. I just I was, a, but he was smart enough to know a nine or ten year old boy is going to look at this guy like a superhero in the bright yellow tights and red knee pads and fall for him, and then he'll like somebody else like Macho Man and Andre and Friday Piper and Orndorff and Jake and all these guys and Warrior and all these people and like I, you know I, I thought I loved Hogan and I did you know when I was growing up but then after I started realizing especially during the Monday Night Wars I was like I loved Vince I loved what he did for me I loved the fact that. We wouldn't be doing this podcast like we said earlier. I wouldn't love pro wrestling if not for him. If not for him buying the company from his dad saying, just watch. Just watch what I'm going to do. And we talked about – I know we probably could talk for another three hours about what he's done for us and get more specifics or the whatever. The fact we we're only at an hour 10 is kind of ridiculous, but I think we've – we're doing well, what, what I, we can do us, to get through. I sped us through with, yeah, I sped us through in the middle because I knew it was running long. But I just – I can't express like, you know, I'm not excusing anything that the accusations that are being thrown out now about him. But like, I'm here because of the this guy, like I, the guy crying <laughs> like I and I make jokes or whatever. But I'm I'm here because of that guy. We're here because of that guy. Cuz is here. Joe is here because of that guy. And you can't discount that. And I'm not saying we don't control what he does in his private life. It just gets publicized as people find out about it or he gets accused of something or whatever. So we can't excuse what he's done. Uh, I don't excuse bullying. I don't agree with bullying. I don't agree with uh, SA. I don't agree with any of that stuff. But all I can tell you is that when the 10-year-old Jess turned on his television for the first time, it was his product that pulled me in. And uh, I never let go. So I, it's it's weird. It's almost like we're talking about like he died, like in a weird way. But no. he's not dead. Well, you know, but like it's just. Well, I'll just follow that, that with. Was, that, um, yeah. Give it time. I think Sorry. that maybe um, much like Joe Paterno, and I'm not comparing the situations and circumstances, yes. but Joe Paterno is going. a person that for 60 years, 70 years of his life, gave it to football, and when he was when he was done. And regardless of what he knew or didn't know about the situation, when he didn't have football and was not in control of Penn State anymore, he died. And so yeah. Vince is kind of almost in the same way what's left for him. But I think to go back to what you said, Jess, I feel the same way. Like, um, And I don't know how to encapsulate it, but I'll, I'll, I'll try my best just real quick in 30 seconds. Um, uh, never, never meet your heroes, right? Like it doesn't matter yeah. – if it's Bill Cosby, if it is Bill Gates, if it is um, CEOs, uh, Steve Jobs, people who are brilliant, who are geniuses, they have flaws. They do things that at the end of the day and you you take a They're microscope neurotic. to them, yeah. they, they mess up and they hurt people and they steal things. And if you're that successful, Oprah Winfrey, Barack Obama, it doesn't matter. They steal things. The reason why they... It's all just a matter of energy. When you take energy from something and give to something, 
just like money, like capitalism. Um, I might be getting too meta, but I'm, I'm going to keep going. So Vince McMahon is a billionaire because he stole that from or took that energy slash money from others, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't discount how driven, how creative, how visionary, what a man he was and how um, – how right he was and everything for the benefit his own day um, at the end of the day of like branding and what he says in the WF for the fans, for the universe, like now pass together forever or whatever. So there's, I, I there's only one person, Craig, that um, doesn't do that. So who's provides that? Us love and hope. Who's that? It's Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> Dave, it's not even a question. That's actually a hundred percent. Correct. Um, that's that's 100 accurate, and but, you know that's where we can leave it. You want some I, love? You want some love? Give it to Counter. Yeah, but I will say, Go like ahead. every account that Vince has, like in when you meet him in Connecticut, in a, like a, a supermarket or a, a restaurant or a diner, he'll take a picture with you. Like he loves you. Um, you cannot discount money. what that man has done for us. And he one, one one thing that Vince and Hogan have very much in common is. Don't don't fuck up the status quo. If someone wants a picture with you, you're famous. Do it, yeah, because it's money. And yeah. if you fuck that up, your money goes away. But he's he slept four Hogan hours. Knows that Vince yeah. knows that he's Vince has slept three to four hours a night to further so to further whatever power or control he wants in his head or whatever his goal is. Hey, and it's benefited I, us. I I I, I, apl I applaud him for that, Craig. I applaud all of that. You wake up at four and you hit the gym. Good for you. Yeah, yes. good for you. It's whatever drives him, right? Whatever, whatever charges him for the next day. But you, but you know what? It doesn't it doesn't all work out no. towards the end of the day? He's had a great run. Come on, come on. There is it's yes. I don't, I don't even say having it's, a great run. I don't think it does it justice. I don't know what he's had. He's had the most epic. Yes. I don't know what it, he's had. It would it would be called an unprecedented run of any yeah. kind of business. Yes. that you can ever think of, because he. The only th the only thing you can compare it to, and this is gross, because it is, is Amazon. Amazon is currently getting into the medical industry, and I'm not a fan of that, by the way. But, you know, their owner goes to space on the weekends, so I, I, guess, <laughs> right. I guess he's doing something right. Right. So when you start to think about how you transform what people think about what your industry is, which is what he did. Which yeah. is what these other major – it's what Google does. It's what AOL yeah. – it's AOL back in the day. It's what Apple does. It's what it's what Amazon does. I, I, I won't even buy from Amazon. I'm so pissed that they're – just the way they just have a hold of everything. It's gross. I will not do Amazon shipping for anything. But I'm the only – I feel like I'm the only one sometimes. But Vince is in that same. I, I literally think I have two packages on my front porch I haven't got yet. I'm so sure you, you do. It says Amazon right on. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you a shit about it. But I, I choose legitimately not to do that because he takes my money and takes it to space. That's fuck. You know, for his friends, that's fun. My me and my brother are going to space. Fuck you. Um, what I'm trying to say is Vince takes what business he's in and he transforms it into. He makes it into something bigger. He creates it into something more. Eventually, that will catch up with you. It's surprising that it didn't catch up with him in the early '90s with steroids, like you said, in, in supplements and things of that nature. It's just, but when you beat the system, you're like, you're just gonna keep going. Like you said, I don't look back. I don't know how to do that. I'm gonna keep moving forward, and that's what he did. That's what he does. 
until eventually he's told that he can't do it until he's yeah. eventually it's I'm, I'm the reins. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the reins from you. Get off the horse. You're done. Yeah. He had Get to be forced. Here. I think this is the only way he had to go out. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what new accusations are going to come out. I don't even know what nobody knows what's going to happen uh, unless so much. It doesn't bins. matter because you know what? That. Everything we have is bigger than him. So Jess, I would, I would have not probably not met you had it been for Vince McMahon. Um, right. But it's bigger than we that. We all started and watching we wrestling in my living room. Dave, Dave found out through Nathan that I was getting wrestling pay-per-views. And Dave came over. Joe and I, Joe came up to me one day and he was like, I heard you like wrestling. I'm like, yeah, I watch WWF. He's like, do you have cable? I'm like, no. He's like, I get NWA. Do you know, have you heard of Ric Flair? I was like, yeah, I yeah. see him in magazines. And he's like, well, come over to my house. I'll show you uh, NWA on my uh, cable channel. And I went and I watched TBS with Joe. Yeah. And like, that's how I met Joe. But Joe loved WWF as well. That's how he started as well. And it's just kind of... Like amazing, like the way we've all entered, we've stayed all in touch, and we're doing this yeah. podcast because of because of Vince. Like in a yeah. weird way, it's crazy. It's super crazy. Even I, I would have met Dave it. if I wasn't for Jess. Yeah, <laughs> thank you guys for talking about me. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome, Vince. Ah, I don't want to go. All right, it I love you guys so much. For uh, that's out of control. For audio fans, give us a listen. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, yeah. iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you do us a solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OW2018 or at Facebook at Our Wrestling <laughs> Podcast. If you want to hear more of the Quantum Leap theme yeah. music, you can stay on for just a few more seconds. For Dave, Justin, Craig, and the OWG, oh, Jesus. we're signing off. Have a good one. Dave, you mean something else when you play that music. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and stop. Doesn't the